Today's scripture is from various verses throughout Proverbs. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You may be seated. Thank you. As we get seated, let me pray for us. Wise, gracious, loving Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that you give us wisdom. And we ask now that you would give us your spirit, that your words of wisdom would live to us. We pray that your spirit would be with the kids and the volunteers and the leaders downstairs as well, that we as one church would learn more and have a glimpse of your glory and your beauty. And would you be with Christ City Surrey right now as they gather for the first time together in the school on a Sunday morning? Lord God, we thank you for, for Daniel and the team and I, we pray for them that you would also um, give them a glimpse of your glory and majesty today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Sam. I'm one of the team here. It's so wonderful, as always, to get open up God's Word with you this morning. Today is the last in our series on Proverbs for the summer, and today's topic is at the very heart of the book of Proverbs. Today, we're going to be talking about prudence. Very good name, Spencer. Um, today, we're going to be talking about prudence. Prudence is one of the aims of the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs calls all of us to learn prudence. 1 verse 4, one of the stated aims of Proverbs is to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. 8 verse 5, O simple ones, Proverbs says, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. 8 verse 12, I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. Jesus himself calls us to be prudent. 10.16, behold, Jesus says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The word wise here is the same word that is translated as prudent in Proverbs. So we're going to look at three things, the boundaries of prudence, the skills of prudence, and the source of wisdom. The boundaries of prudence, the skills of prudence, and the source of wisdom. So first, to the boundaries of prudence. So what is prudence? We don't use that, that term very often nowadays. To be prudent is to have the skills to achieve the outcome we want. To be prudent is to have the skills to achieve the outcome we want. It's the idea of being street smart, of being shrewd, of being strategic. Bible scholar Bruce Waltke describes it like this, the prudent person pays attention to a threatening situation, gets insight into its solution, acts on it decisively, and thereby gains success and life while preventing failure and death. Prudence means having the skills to achieve the outcome we want. But even as I define prudence for us, that's where it gets complicated, doesn't it? 
When it comes to being prudent, to being shrewd, to being street smart, many of us, well, we're not so sure, are we? We're not so sure, is it completely a good thing to be known as prudent or shrewd or street smart or even strategic? Many of us, in fact, have seen or even experienced firsthand how those skills of prudence can so easily be twisted for selfish and even evil gain. Prudence twisted into manipulation or perhaps deceit or even just downright controlling bullying. That's why we must start with the boundaries of prudence. Last month, my family flew in to visit and my brother bought our boys some water guns. Not those small water guns, but those water guns that an uncle would buy for his nephews. <laughs> Huge super soakers that can do some serious damage. Our boys were so excited to use those water guns. But before we let them loose, we had to have the chat with them, didn't we? <laughs> We had to start by giving them the boundaries on how to use those gifts appropriately. Don't use them indoors. Don't shoot people in the face, at least up close. No shooting strangers, people who you don't know the name of. <laughs> because super supers can be a lot of fun, can't they? But only if we're clear on the boundaries on how to use them. And that's the case with prudence as well. Except that when it comes to prudence, the consequences of going outside the boundaries are much more severe than just getting water in your face. The skills of prudence, the Bible tells us, are so important for us to flourish as God's people in God's world. But we must start with the boundaries that God has given us on how to use the skills of prudence. Proverbs 14 verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Verse 16, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. The wisdom of the prudent, Proverbs says, is to discern our way, which means to know which way to go to be able to evaluate and pick our way based on the boundaries of what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. In contrast, the foolish person deceives themselves and deceives others by assuming that the boundaries of right and wrong don't exist. And let's be clear, it's not enough just to know the boundaries of right and wrong. We are to keep within the boundaries of right and wrong. We are to turn away from evil, 14.16 tells us. In contrast, the foolish person is reckless and careless, weaving in and out, crossing and passing boundaries whenever it suits them, living life as though the boundaries don't exist or at least don't apply to them. Now, I want to be clear, we're not saying that every single decision is about right and wrong or that every issue is a moral issue, but what, the Proverbs, is, what Proverbs is saying is that it is foolish to live as though there is no such thing as right and wrong. In any decision, there are many considerations for us to think about, but before we think about pleasure or profit or popularity, the first consideration, consideration must always be, is there a right and wrong? Does God's Word have anything to say on the subject? Is God's Spirit convicting me perhaps one way or the other? Is there 
Are we paying attention to the advice or instruction or correction from godly men and women who we trust? Because it is when we erase those boundaries of good and evil, of right and wrong, when we ignore God's moral framework, when we are driven by idols of pleasure or profit or popularity, instead of honouring and glorifying God, that's when prudence becomes foolishness. That's when prudence becomes manipulation. That's when prudence becomes deceit. That's when prudence just becomes downright controlling bullying. Biblical prudence is achieving what is right by keeping to the boundaries of what is right. Foolishness is getting whatever I want by doing whatever is necessary. Do we see the difference? Same skill, different outcome. The serpent in the Garden of Eden is a warning that we all must pay attention to. The story of how prudence becomes foolishness. In the book of Genesis, the first book of the, of the Bible, is the story of the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, the serpent was the creature who used all its skill and cleverness to tempt Adam and Eve into sinning and disobeying God. But here's the interesting thing. Here's the thing you must pay attention to. How is the serpent described in Genesis 3 verse 1? It's described like this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The word that is translated here as crafty is the exact same word that is translated as prudent in Proverbs. The translators translate it differently because they're trying to show us that what's happening here is prudence gone wrong. The serpent was more skillful, more clever, had more insight than any other creature. The serpent was able to read the room and understand people and spot opportunities and capitalize on problems. It was more skillful and more clever than any other creature. But here's the problem. It was blind to all boundaries of good and evil. It lived as though the boundaries of good and evil didn't apply to it. And so it misused and abused all of its skills and cleverness to lead not to life but to death. And God judged it and will completely destroy it. That's why... When Jesus tells us to be wise as serpents, he he doesn't say just be as wise as serpents. He also says be as innocent as doves. 10.16 again of Matthew. Behold, Jesus says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus is telling us that we need to learn all the skills of how to navigate in the world. We need to take on and, and learn all the skills of prudence. But we are to apply all those skills within the boundaries of what is right and what is wrong so that we are not just wise as serpents, we are also innocent as doves. Christ City, are we keeping to God's moral framework? When we are trying to navigate through life, when we are trying to discern the way we should go, have we thrown away the map God has given us? Are we able to discern the boundaries of right and wrong? Are we willing to keep to the boundaries of right and wrong? Do we turn away from evil? For those of us who are perhaps tempted by the pleasure 
and profit and popularity that the world promises. If only that we would just erase or perhaps just blur, just blur a little bit the boundaries of right and wrong. Proverbs reminds us, 16 verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. So first point, the boundaries of prudence. Second point, the skills of prudence. And Proverbs gives us three skills. The first skill is this, the prudent person discerns what to believe. The prudent person discerns what to believe. 14 verse 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. There's a contrast going on here, isn't there, between the simple person and the prudent person. The simple person has no filter. It's gullible, just believes everything and anything from everyone and anyone. The simple person assumes that if everyone else says something is true, it must be true. The simple person assumes that if I believe something strongly enough and deeply enough, it must be right. The skill of the prudent is the skill of having a filter. Having a filter so that we can discern, to give thought to what we take in and what we keep in, to give, to give thought to what our beliefs and worldview are based on. Verse 16 describes it as giving thought to our steps. It's like one of those filter straws that enable you to drink water from anywhere. Well, at least that's what's advertised. I've not tried it myself. But what they say is that wherever you're drinking from, from a river or a stream or a puddle, you can use the filter to filter out all the bacteria and the parasites so that what you take in is clean and safe. And that's the skill of prudence right there. It's the skill of having a filter. Being able to give thought to what is of God and what is not of God. Having a filter so we can give thought to everything we take in and everything we keep in. What does this look like practically? Part of developing a filter is realizing that not everything everyone says and not everything we feel is true or right. Part of developing a filter is learning to recognize what is true by recognizing and so that we can recognize what is untrue. And one way, one crucial way we can do that is to read our Bibles regularly and keep in step with God's Spirit. And part of developing a filter is having the humility to invite and, and accept correction and instruction from others. We've brought this up over and over again in this sermon series because Proverbs brings this up over and over again. 15 verse 5, a fool despises, meaning looks down on, rejects, hates his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof, meaning whoever invites instruction, whoever welcomes correction, is prudent. Christ City, do we have a filter? Do we use a filter when drinking in the water of the world or do we just let everything in? Do we just take in and believe everything? Do we give thought to all that we believe to make sure that our beliefs and our assumptions are rooted in Scripture? Do we give thought to what we take in from, from the media, the shows and the podcasts and the books we consume? Are we careful to watch how they are influencing us? The shows and the podcasts and the books our children consume, are we careful to watch how they are, con they are 
influencing them? Do we give thought to, to what we take in from the culture around us, the ideals and the beliefs that seem so obvious and so self-evident to everyone around us? Do we give thought to them? Or do we just take them in with no filter? And it, became, it can be very unsettling to give thought to these things, can't it? To give thought to what is true and what is untrue. And perhaps, you're, perhaps some of you here are giving thought to some of those things. In fact, some of you here, perhaps you are here because you're giving thought to what is true and what is untrue, trying to figure out what is true enough that you can base your life on. Christianity says that when it comes to trusting something true enough to base our life on, it's not a what, he's a who. Jesus Christ describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He makes some stunning truth claims that if true, will change your life. And so as you're wrestling with what is true and what is untrue, I'd invite you to enter a conversation about the truth claims of Jesus, who Jesus is and what he claims, because they will change your life. Have a conversation with the person you came with. Come have a conversation with me or any of our staff or elders and we would love to have this conversation with you. So first skill discerns what to believe. Second skill, the prudent person spots and responds to danger. 22 verse 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. We need to read verse 2 and 3 together. Verse 2 sets up the important understanding that God is the maker of all people. He ultimately is control over everyone and everything that happens. But then we need to read verse 3, don't we? Within that understanding of verse 2, verse 3 calls us to be prudent by taking responsibility for our actions. Verse 2 and 3 come together. Prudence acknowledges that God is in control, but also that God instructs us on how to live in this world. Prudence acknowledges that there are circumstances out of our control, but that there are also steps we can and should take to spot danger and respond appropriately. It's like the time that I was driving on the road and the light suddenly flashed up on the dashboard of the car. And soon after, smoke started coming up from the hood in front of the, from the car. And as many of you know, I don't know much about cars, but I, I know enough to know that a light on the dashboard and smoke are, are not good news. So I pulled over to the side of the road, and because my friends were there, I opened the hood to pretend like I knew what I was doing. And then, obviously, I had no idea what was going on, so I did the only thing I could do. I called for help. And I found out later that if I hadn't pulled over, if the dashboard light hadn't come on, or if I ignored the dashboard light, I could have done some much more serious damage to the car and perhaps even myself. The point is this, prudence means making sure you have lights on the dashboard. And more than that, making sure that we pay attention to the lights on the dashboard. That means learning to spot danger, learning more about ourselves and others and situations so that we can recognize when there's a problem or opportunity. But not just recognizing when there's, there's a problem, prudence also means learning what to do when there's a problem. 
The same way that different lights on a dashboard mean different responses, prudence means learning more about ourselves and others and situations so that we know how to respond differently to different problems or opportunities. Let's have a concrete example, 11 verse 15. It says, whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm, but he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. Proverbs calls us to be generous and kind to others, but it also calls us to be prudent. To, to watch out for the warning lights on the dashboard, we should be generous and kind, but we should exercise generosity and kindness with prudence, with an eye on the warning signs on the dashboard that tell us that perhaps the situation is not all that we think it is. There is some risk involved and take heed. If we do not know the person at all, we should still respond with generosity and kindness, but we need to respond with prudence, not putting all our security and safety at the mercy of a person we barely know. Let's apply this to ourselves. What are some practical ways we might need to recognize and respond to the lights on the dashboard? It might mean leaving the door open when we're using the computer. Students, as, as you move back into your dorms, away from living with your family or friends, there's an amount of independence you have that we need to pay attention to, don't we? It might mean learning the warning signs that a conversation or a relationship is becoming toxic. It might mean throwing away our credit card so that we don't go further into debt. It might mean sitting down with someone and saying, please help me with my finances, I don't know what to do. It might mean talking to someone before we make any big life-changing decision. It might mean spending less time with some people or less time with a particular TV show that is beginning to really have a bad effect on us. Prudence means spotting and responding to danger. But even as we seek to respond to danger, we need to learn to discern the right response, which is our third skill. The prudent person discerns how to respond. The prudent person discerns how to respond. Proverbs 16.20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. A prudent response gives thought to how we should respond with our words. Meaning taking the time and the discipline to consider the tone and content and consequences of what we say. 12.16, the vexation, meaning the anger, the frustration of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. A prudent response gives thought to the emotions underneath our response and takes time to process our hurt and our pride before we respond. 12.23, a prudent person, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. A prudent response gives thought to the situation we're responding in and that we're responding to, knowing when to speak and when not to speak. But even as these three verses teach us how to respond prudently, we need to pay attention to something else. There's a link in each of these verses between how we are to respond and what we are to believe about God and ourselves. We're going to look at these verses again as I read them out, see if we can spot the link. 
16.20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts, who trusts in the Lord. The prudent person is able to give thought to their words out of a deep and rich trust in the Lord. How respond and trusting in God are inseparable. 12.16, the vexation, the, the anger of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Our ability to ignore an insult is rooted in our confidence that God can and ultimately will deliver the justice we deserve. How we respond and what we believe about God and His character are inseparable. How about 12.23? A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. We can choose to keep quiet rather than show off how much we know only when we are secure in our identity and value in Christ. How we respond and what we believe God says about ourselves are inseparable. Christ City, do we give thought to our responses? Do we give thought to our words and emotions and situations? And more than that, do we give thought to what we believe about God and ourselves? Because how we respond and what we believe about God and ourselves are inseparable. One leads to the other. One leads to the other because biblical wisdom is not about following a bunch of principles, it's about following a person. Biblical wisdom can only be found in a deep, rich, life-giving, life-changing relationship with God who is the source of all wisdom, who is the creator and revealer of all wisdom, which is our third point, the source of wisdom. As we finish up our series on Proverbs, a book all about getting wisdom, we need to remind ourselves who is the source of all wisdom. And in some sense, I've already given the game away, haven't I? By saying that all prudence and wisdom comes from God. 2 verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. But there's also something we see throughout Proverbs that's really important to help us understand where we can get wisdom from. And before I go on, I need to say, I, there are two halves to what I'm going to say next. And I really need you to listen to both halves. Okay? If you're going to switch off, you switch off now, don't switch off halfway. Okay? Because I've thought long and hard about whether to say this point because it's easily misunderstood, but I think we need to go through it because it's important. So don't, if you want to switch off, switch off now. If not, you're with me? Okay, very good. When we compare the book of Proverbs with other wisdom literature from the surrounding nations and cultures, we see significant similarities. And because we know that other wisdom literature was written earlier, and Proverbs even makes explicit references to them, we know that at least part of Proverbs is adapted content from other sources. Part of Proverbs is adapted content from other sources. And this has really important implications for where we can get wisdom from. We can and we should get wisdom from the Bible, but we should not be afraid to get wisdom from other sources because all truth is God, God's truth. As for, I, I want to talk about this because as followers of Jesus, sometimes we're not sure, or in fact, we're embarrassed to, have, to, to, to get knowledge and experience from other sources. And we don't know if they can, they, they can be applied to our lives as Christians. 
the book of Proverbs reassures us that we can. Lessons we've learned from that book, that podcast, that great mentor, can be great sources of wisdom and insight to learn about ourselves and others and different situations. That's the first half. Don't switch off now. The second half is this. The book of Proverbs releases us to gather wisdom from everywhere because all truth is God's truth, but it also reminds us that we need to be careful when we do so. I'm not saying run church like a business. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that everything the world says is true. The book of Proverbs releases us to gather wisdom from everywhere, but it also reminds us that not all wisdom is godly wisdom. In fact, it warns us that worldly wisdom will be at odds with godly wisdom. That's why we need to have both halves of this point. Our role is not just to take in and recite and regurgitate everything that the world says is wisdom. Our job is to filter the wisdom through Scripture as our sole authority and then to redeem it. We're not just to, re- to, to take in and recite and regurgitate. We need to filter it and redeem it. Redeem it by bringing it under the Lordship of Christ so that we honour and glorify and serve the purposes of the one who is the creator and revealer of wisdom. There is a difference between learning from your mentor and taking your mentor's worldview. I had, a, I had a really good supervisor in a previous workplace that, that I learned so much from, but I knew I had to draw the line when he said work is worship. Because there's a difference between filtering worldly wisdom through the Bible and filtering the Bible through worldly wisdom. In some sense, that's the Christian life we are all called to, isn't it? We're not to retreat from the world. We're not to be afraid of the world. But we're also not to just take in and recite and regurgitate everything the world says. We're to redeem the world. God gives us wisdom so we can discern and filter and then redeem the world to bring it under the Lordship of Christ so that one day every knee would bow under the Lordship of Jesus. Bruce Waltke puts it this way, The Old Testament is embedded in the culture of the ancient Near East. Its uniqueness is found not in transcending its culture, but in its subjection of that culture to the transcendent living God. It borrows and adapts ideas, language, sayings, laws, and mythical allusions from its neighbours but purges them, filters out of them their pagan theology to serve the purposes of God, the great I Am. This is the case also with Proverbs. Some of its wisdom is borrowed, but all, but all of the borrowed material is brought under the affirmation that it is God, the great I Am, who is the creator and revealer of wisdom. Our job is not to take in and just blindly recite and regurgitate. Our job is to take in and filter and then to redeem. For all of the similarities we see between Proverbs and all other wisdom literature, for all the ideas and sayings that Proverbs might borrow, one thing stands out and we need to keep our eye on it. There's one verse in Proverbs that, does, that you will not find anywhere else. It's 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
1 verse 7 is the key to understanding all of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord means living rightly in right relationship with God. And it is only that that is the key to unlocking all of wisdom. True wisdom doesn't start with how clever we are or how well we can read people or solve problems or identify opportunities. True wisdom starts with fearing the Lord. All wisdom we gather must be redeemed and reframed under the fear of the Lord, living rightly in right relationship with the one who is the creator and revealer of wisdom. This entire series on Proverbs, we've gone through subjects like how to, dealing with anger, dealing with conflict, wealth and community and all the rest of it. These are topics that are not foreign to us. You can get thousands upon thousands of books and shows and podcasts on the same topic. But what is the difference? The difference is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. All wisdom that we gather from the world must be redeemed and reframed under the fear of the Lord. God reveals to us His true wisdom in His written word, but also in His Son, the living word in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2.3. Jesus models true wisdom and, it, and enables us to be truly wise with a wisdom that does not and will not make sense to the world. Jesus was the wisest person who ever walked the earth. He had all insight and all understanding. He knew when to speak and when not to speak. He knew how to spot and respond to danger. He had all the power to do whatever he willed. And yet, what did he do? He prayed to the Father, yet not what I will, but what you will. He, he lived the, the life of perfect wisdom so that we might enjoy its benefits. He disadvantaged himself to advantage us. He died so that he may crush the head of the serpent. He died so that we might have life. He sacrificed himself so that he might clothe us with his spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's stand as we respond to God's word together.